This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to In the Weeds. Uh, I'm John Tennan, and I have with me Shay. Hello, Shay. Hi, John. How you doing? Good. Uh, we're going to tackle managing the weeds of conflict. And I'm going to start by saying this. Relationships, and we're in a series on relationships, have been for me the greatest point of joy in my life. And also they have caused the greatest amount of hurt and pain in my life. <laughs> They're just difficult. Yeah. Like across the board. And last episode, we talked about the roots of conflict. Today, we're going to try to move into managing conflict. But we need to say up front, we can't get into the nitty gritty of every single type of conflict because they're so varied. But what we can do is help give you some things to generalize conflict and help you manage conflict, let's say from a 30,000 foot flyover. Yeah, let's do that. These are going to be ingredients that you'll have to bring to the table if you want to work through conflict. And we're going to cover ownership, like owning your stuff. Each person has to own their own stuff and be willing to do that. Discernment, like what kind of a person you doing conflict with. Boundaries and how to hang in there. Perseverance. So to help me do this, we have our resident theological scholar, pastor, and all-around great guy, Shay Roush. You take it. John, am I on the podcast today because you think I have a lot of conflicts with people? Yep. <laughs> that somehow I am the expert on this. I think you're good at it. Right. What We we all know people, though, that always seem to be in conflict with others, right? There's, you're a there's pastor. certain personality types. But uh, um, I, I just want to say, you know, remember this. When you're having conflicts with trolls online— uh, the line that always comes to mind is never wrestle with a pig um, because you're always going to get dirty. And so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so let's just close in prayer and, 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 and leave it at that. But no, seriously, what an important topic to think through. Um, you know, Bono, the YouTube lead singer once said, he said, the hardest thing to do is to stick together. Mates, family, marriage, business, even bands. It's like resisting gravity. The alternative is too predictable. You rid the room of arguments. You empty your life of the people that you need most. Hmm. And it's so true, isn't it? Um, we, we don't handle conflict very well. And, and therefore, we have just broken piles of relationships as a result. And, uh, you know, John, when I do funerals, I often mention, you know, make uh, relationships, especially with loved ones, a priority. Right. Because at some point we're all going to die. At some point, uh, God is going to call all of us home 
And you don't want to have regrets when you get to the end of your life when it comes to your relationships with loved ones. Um, I think that's why the Apostle Paul says, you know, if at all possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get a little more into that. It's not possible, the implication is, to have peace right. with everyone. Right. And man, maybe sometimes it's just accepting the reality of who that person is instead of trying to change them. You know, love overlooks a multitude of sins. So, you know, some people you're going to have conflict with. Some people you can learn to sort of overlook things and yeah. move on. But yeah, it's very complicated. You, you know, I, I have a, a, a personal story from my own life of conflict and how it's it's hurt family relationships. Um, and it's a common story. You know, uh, after my dad died, I I have a half-sister and, and we got into an argument over some money that my dad had left for for his funeral costs. And, um, and she ended up not using the money appropriately. And, and I had to have this, this, this conversation with her. I had to talk with her about it. And, and, um, and so I reached out and, and she kind of just kind of blew me off. And, and as time went on, she continued to ghost me (laughs) and, and just didn't want to have anything to do with me, even though I was trying to work things out with her. And so we had conflict and, and as a result of the conflict, the, the relationship was broken And it. And it really hurts, you know, because I desire a relationship with, with my half sister, but, but it ended and, uh, we haven't, spoken since. So, John, I don't know why you're having me on this podcast because I may not have much uh, wisdom to to offer. Hopefully I, I will, but we've all experienced broken relationships because of conflict. I told you this when we were planning. You're like the Andy Griffith of conflict. <laughs> you're, you're very good at it. Um, I do think that you're very measured. I think that you have a great ability to balance like your emotions and see things from multiple perspectives. And I appreciate you sharing that story. And what strikes me is you did what you saw growing up, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, In other words, there's a little bit of a monkey see, monkey do principle at work. We end up repeating the patterns of how to do conflict that we see like in our upbringing. Mm -hmm. And most of the times that we observe these things, they're pretty unhealthy and they don't help things. Conflict is something that it's sort of like a cold. We catch it. We just don't know where we've caught it from. We just end up having it and doing it, and it's kind of automatic. So we want to introduce some principles just to start to think this through. Because uh, myself, you, the listener, we're always going to be learning like how to do conflict. And no one does it perfectly. One of my mentors said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. So (laughs) let's jump in there and... There's so much research on just coming to the table and being willing to work through conflict, even if it's not resolved. Yes. Like if you come to the table and say, you know, I, I really want to work this through with you. Mm-hmm. That's a step of vulnerability. And that actually starts the process of reconnecting and it starts some brain chemistry going. Yeah. yeah. Um, the bo- point. the yeah. bonding chemical of oxytocin. It starts with someone stepping in saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. I I really care about our relationship. I want to talk this through. So we're going to give you some principles. Again, their ownership, who owns what, discernment, who are you doing conflict with, 
boundaries and perseverance. So Shay, I want you to kick us off. Tell us about the first thing people can commit to when they're managing their conflict. Yeah, Jenna, I think it's important to remember big picture here that, and, and you've kind of mentioned this, but, but conflict is an opportunity to grow in grace in our relationships with one another. Um, you know, most of us, we think of conflict as just something to avoid at all costs. Okay, now that doesn't mean we're not we're supposed to go out there and seek uh, conflict with other people, but um, and I think you guys mentioned this in the, the the first episode on conflict. But James says this. He says he says trials or conflict can help us grow in our character if we handle them well. Hmm. Um, if you think about it, that's what marriage is all about: growing and, and maturing, and. Um, a good friend of mine likes to say that marriage is two people coming together to solve conflicts they never would have had if they would have just remained single. That's so good. <laughs> it's such a great quote. I, I use it in uh, marriage homilies that I, that I give. But um, in, in any marriage, in any relationship that you have, you're going to have to learn to work through things. Um, if you're going to become the kind of person that God wants you to be. I think that's the point of James. You know, when I work with couples, very frequently they'll come in and they'll be distressed over a conflict and they think they're in crisis, like they have some kind of problem. Mm -hmm. And it always brings me great joy to just sort of smile and chuckle a bit and say, you know what, guys, you're married. Like this is normal. Conflict is what marriage is. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So the first thing, as you mentioned, we have to do is, is we have to learn to take ownership of our conflict. And uh, he, here's what I mean by that. If as Christians, okay, it, it, we should always live at peace with everyone as far as it depends upon us, as, as Paul tells us in Romans 12, then I think we have to take the first steps to reconcile relationships. Hmm. Um, we always have to be open to the possibility of reconciliation. You know, our, our mentor and um, we've both been influenced by him, but Tim Keller always says that. And, and that begins, right, by owning what we've done. In other words, our part in the conflict. Now, now sometimes we're just the victims, right? Let's, let's be honest with that. We're going to talk about that. But yeah. some conflict that we have, we're responsible uh, maybe for most of it or at least part of it. Yeah, if I could comment on that, I remember a conflict that I had where someone approached me and said, I have a problem with the way that you're pastoring this church. And this was an elder. And he kind of came in with full force and said, you need to listen to me. And I sat there and I remember saying, I'm very willing to listen to you, but I also have to listen to the Holy Spirit and like to myself. And I'm not aware of anything that I'm doing that's wrong, but I'm willing to look at that. So even sometimes your ownership, you're yeah. drawing a blank. Yeah. But even taking that step of, I'm willing to think about this. Yeah. Like that's, that can be part of ownership. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Lynn and I, my, it, we used to fight early on in our marriage, um, a lot about money, um, you know, savers and spenders. Uh, were one or the other, and God, in His humor, 
I think sometimes brings the two together. Um, yeah, God thinks it's funny. I think God thinks it's funny. Yeah, we but, don't. Uh, um, but I, I remember early on, uh, we would get the credit card bill, and um, and I would I would first thing grab it out of the mail, open it up, and you know talk to her and say, "Why are we spending all this money and, on shampoo on <laughs> toilet paper stuff like that? Why? Wait, we don't need. No, I'm just joking. What kind of makeup but, do you it, use? Yeah, yeah. It was just a, a shock to me. And um, hey, and, when I got married, can I? Yeah. I told my wife, look. We can save so much money. Get a bar of Irish Spring <laughs> and just use that on your hair. I do it all the time. And that, like, didn't work at all. Yeah. Well, um, I wised up pretty quickly that that I was hurting my wife by getting on her about the credit card bill every month. I mean, I could I could tell that, that I, was, I was seriously hurting her. Mm. And we were constantly fighting over money. But, but James says this, right, in, in the James 4 passage, he says, what— what causes fights and quarrels among you, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Hmm. See, John, I needed to take ownership and examine my own heart and ask myself, you know, Shay, why in the world have you made money such an issue and you're even hurting your, your wife over it? Well, as I examined my own heart, John, it was because I, I looked to money as security. You know, other people, they might look to that they spend money on things because they see money as a way to impress others. But I realized a lot of the conflict that we have um, over this issue of money is, is because of something going on in our hearts, our desires for things like security or power or the approval of others. Um, these things, these idols begin driving our hearts and sometimes they replace God. And and to be honest with you, I felt like I was being blocked by Lynn because um, I looked to money as a security and, and, and she was threatening that. And, and we had conflict as a result. So your ownership was looking at what was like deep in your heart, driving those decisions and statements and uh, behaviors. That, that's exactly right. I, I think that's what James is telling us in, in James 4 is look at your desires. You, you have fights, you have quarrels because... You, you've something else has replaced God. Well, uh, he even goes on to say, ask God for wisdom. You don't have because you don't ask. I always used to read that as, well, if I ask, then I'll get what I want. But maybe it's a little deeper. Like if I ask, I will get something from God, but maybe it's God saying, hey, you need to work on this. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I, I think so much of our conflict with others comes from our own desires and our, our own hearts. And so that's why we have to examine them. Yeah. Uh, see, we, we compare ourselves, we envy others, all of these kind of things. It, it's no wonder we have so much conflict with others because of that. And so we resort to slandering them and gossiping about them and tearing them down. And, and, and if we would just take ownership of what's really going on in, my, in our hearts, my guess is, is we would have so much less conflict in our lives. Um, I say this to my kids all the time, John. If you can just control the person that's looking back at you in the mirror, you're going to do just fine. And I think that's true for all of us. There's so much wisdom in that because that's the only thing you can take charge of. Yeah. You can't take charge of what the other person's doing what they're thinking, what they're feeling. You, you can take charge of you and work on you. That doesn't mean the other person doesn't need to change a little bit, 
My mother-in-law apologized to me when I married my wife. She said, I'm so sorry. She treats a credit card that way. I said, well, thank you, Ruth. I, what do I do with this? She goes, I just want you to know I'm, we didn't raise her that way. And we've gone through that same process of ironing out the wrinkles and, you know, coming to a compromise. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I might add this, that I think the more we understand, John, that, that we're sinners saved by God's grace and we're his children and find our identity in that, it frees us from frees us up to love the person that we're in conflict with and, and not demonize them and, and write them off and see them as our enemy. Um, so w- my encouragement is, is don't stay on the surface of things. And when you have conflict with other people and avoid honestly looking at yourself and in, in your need of God's grace. And um, hardest thing to do. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to With You in the Weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text this episode to a friend and find us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. So that's the first thing, ownership. Hardest thing to do look at ourselves. So we need to take ownership of whatever we can take ownership of. The other person also has to take ownership. And this is where discernment comes in. I've heard it said that, you know, in relationship, we're all like a couple of porcupines on a really cold night snuggling up to get warm. We're going to poke each other. Like even, (laughs) even, even the best of friends are going to end up poking each other somewhere just because of how the disease and virus of sin mm-hmm. just has its creative way with us all the time, even when we're not even thinking about it. So let's move to discernment. Um, and what I'm basically talking about uh, is who, who are you having conflict with? So let's look at the character side of this. Is this a person who is reasonable, teachable, open to feedback, open to dialogue? Or is this the type of person you need to be more guarded around? Because the Bible puts people into different categories. I'll come back to that in a minute. But one of the things Dan Allender said in a conference on bold love, which is a great book, and it's about all the complexities of relationships and how do you love people in different ways. It's a very thick book, too. So you have to kind of want to read it, but it's a very good resource. In his conference, he said, if you want to know how to do relationships really well, read The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And that really shocked me. I went out and bought it. And essentially, I think what he meant was that relationships take thought, strategy. They require preparation, especially complicated ones. Uh, You're going to get into this in a minute. Are you looking at a normal sinner? Mm -hmm. Uh, a fool who will never listen to you, never learn, or an evil person that just really wants to do you harm. They require different strategies. So who are you having conflict with? You, You have to look at that. And then there's the capacity side. Does this person that you're having conflict with possess the capacity to handle the emotions that are involved in conflict? You might be working with someone that has limited capacity. You have to accept that reality and you have to maneuver 
based upon what they're able to do. Yeah, it reminds me, it's it's the whole discussion around emotional intelligence, isn't yes. it? it? You know, do they have the emotional intelligence to be able to engage on that kind of level and, and work through conflict with you? Uh, with some family members, I have become so frustrated over the years trying to get them to do something that they don't have the capacity to do. That's a good point. And I put for years so much energy. Uh, I'll, my dad, uh, I put so much energy into trying to get him to connect to me in a way that I wanted, but in a way that he could not because he just did not have the characterological capacity. He didn't have the categories for it. I finally got to the point of just giving up on that and accepting this is as far as he can go. Yeah. And, and there's probably been, I, as, I, as you say that, times in my own life, seasons in my life where I'm so driven by something, some idol in my life, I might not, not have had the emotional intelligence or capacity to hear what other people were saying and seeing in my life going on. So I think we've all experienced that. Sure. For sure on my yeah. side. I can look back and there are a lot of places I regret handling things the way that I did 20 years ago. And I think, boy, if I could go back now, knowing mm -hmm. what I know, I would handle that differently. Yeah. So we're all in process on that. Yeah. So there's the character side, there's the capacity side, then there's the depth side. How deep do you want to go with this person? How deep can they go? A little bit like the capacity, but think of a pool. I use this analogy a lot. You've got a shallow end and a deep end, and then you've got this medium area in between. Not everyone can go deep. And a lot of people need to stay in the shallow end. So adjust your desires here about what kind of a relationship do you have? What's the nature of the relationship you want to have with this person? And do they want to have that same kind of a relationship? Um, so we have to kind of look at how deep does this relationship go? Can it go? Do I want it to go? And I said I was going to come back to this. The Bible has categories for people. So 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Well, there are different categories <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. You don't treat everyone the same. Yeah. And last week we talked about the divisive person. Warn them once, warn them a second time, Titus 3.10, and then Paul says after that, if they're not going to listen to you, don't have anything to do with them. So just to wrap it up again, you're looking at in discernment, who are you having conflict with? What's their character? What's their capacity? How deep can this go? And, and then what category might they fit into in scripture? And that takes a lot of pressure off of me or the person engaging in the conflict. It doesn't always have to look the same. Yeah. And it can't. And scripture gives us that freedom. So you want to pick up here and talk about boundaries a bit? Yeah, I think that's a good segue as we think about categories of, of people. And that um, leads into uh, maybe different boundaries that we set, the third thing uh, here. And um, um, so setting boundaries with people we have conflict with. Uh, but so those those boundaries obviously look different in different situations. And so we can have flexible boundaries so to speak. Um, th there's a little bit, John, a, a nuance in the application of this. So, for example, uh, if we're just kind of dealing with <laughs> a garden variety center, okay? I just was thinking a, of garden variety. Garden That's variety, good. normal center out there. 
Um, you know, okay, so people today, right, often get offended by everything that, that someone does. Yeah. Um, but but we need to have a kind of an attitude of grace towards others and not get so upset all the time, knowing, right, that we have these same flaws. Uh, and also remember that not everything someone does is about us. Right. right. We always interpret it that way for some reason. Uh, we always perceive it that way. But the reality is, is we might just have different personalities or, or different likes and different tastes, and that's okay. Um, Peter says this to husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7, a sobering verse, but he says, live with your wife in an understanding way so that your prayers aren't hindered. Hmm. Uh, in other words, I think what Peter's saying here is try to understand situations um, from other people's point of view. Well, that's the problem in my marriage. I'm not, that's why I don't, I don't feel close to God because I don't understand my wife. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and I'm and joking. So I, yeah, I, I, I think that we need to give each other more grace than we often do um, so that people don't have to always just kind of walk around on eggshells. Uh, when they're around us. I, I think it's also important, John, to remember that not all conflicts are going to be resolved this side of heaven. It's a good point. You, you know, some conflicts are just a difference of opinion. We we see that in the Bible. In Acts 15, uh, Paul and Barnabas have this disagreement over whether John Mark should be, uh, they should take him along on Paul's second missionary uh, journeys, and they disagree. They can't con- They can't resolve it. And, and, and so Paul goes one way, uh, Barnabas goes another, and they went their separate ways. That's fine, right? You get back together and again, you can still treat each other with kindness and respect, even though we have disagreements. That's, it's going to be that way this side of heaven. It's like giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But also the freedom to disagree and be different. Absolutely. Don't, don't remove every person from your life that disagrees with you, right? That, that's what Bono was saying. Or, or maybe there's someone who has good intentions. They're not out to harm us, but they do sin against us. Well, we're, we, we read in Scripture that, that love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. And so I can give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe there's enough trust built up that we can forgive and repair and just simply move forward because they have a good track record with us, right? And a lot of our relationships actually are in this category. And a lot of Christians are pretty good at forgiving. I think we forget that. Yeah. Like there are a lot of things that we forgive and overlook. Yeah. But it's really different when you start talking about a fool or an evil person. You want to talk about that a bit? Yeah. Okay. So very important to distinguish here, right? It, it, it takes wisdom. Um, I, but I think when, when we start dealing with a fool, we have to have more firm boundaries, right? And, and the clap, classic example of this, John, in the Bible is David's relationship with King Saul. If you remember David, when he was younger, what he, he everybody knows this story, he kills Goliath and when he comes back, he's given a hero's welcome. And so all the women come out and they're singing the song, you know, the, the refrain, David has killed his tens of thousands, Saul has killed his thousands. And we're told in Scripture in, in 1 Samuel that this refrain, this song, really angers Saul and, and as, because he thinks David is getting all the credit 
And it says from then on, he treats, he treated David out of envy and jealousy. Okay. Social media. Perfect example. David has 10,000 <laughs> likes. Saul has a thousand, right? So I'm going to kill this son of a buck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we learn it, right? That Saul from then on, even though he was king, what was, was always um, paranoid and, and saw David as a threat to his power and to his authority. Um, John, the reality is, is that there are some people who always have to be the center of attention, right? Uh, my father-in-law likes to, say, likes to say that they have to be the bride at every wedding, the corpse at every funeral, <laughs> and the baby at every baptism. Yeah. Um, they're threatened by anyone that might make them look bad. And the foolish part of it is they don't perceive this. Right. They're not aware of it. it yeah, and often. So, like, dealing with them, you're not going to change that personality gravitational lean. No, 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 you're not. They're the fool. So you're going to have tighter boundaries with them. A- absolutely. Trust isn't easily given. Um, there's going to be a need for verification of trust with, with, with the fool. Yeah. And, like and you look, stick yeah. your, you stick your toe in the water and if you can't trust them, you don't go into the water any more deeply yeah. with them. Yeah. You, you may need to keep these people at arm's length in your life. All right. What about the evil person? Um, well, I, I, I Let me just also say this, but let me go back. And I just think it's important because it's easy to see these people out there, but also it's remember, examine your own life and ask yourself, am I a King Saul? Right. Do I feel threatened always by other people? Am I tearing other people down to make myself look better? Because there's a little bit of King Saul in all of us as well. But uh, yeah, so let's, yeah, the last one, the evil person, um, I would say this, boundaries are solidified. Um, this isn't someone that you trust to be near you or have access to your heart or your soul. Uh, this person has repeatedly acted in harmful ways without signs of ownership or repentance or even a hint of personal reflection. So we're talking about the abusive person, the harmful mm-hmm. person. This is not your garden variety Normal conflict. Right. That's exactly right. And, and the conflict with this person may stay unresolved because it takes two people to resolve conflict and they're unwilling to work on things. Um, this may be an unsolvable problem and you may need to love them from a very far distance. But let me just say this to conclude that even in this situation where David experienced great hurt at the hand of Saul, uh, we, we find out, right, that, that he has to end up fleeing to a desert. and He takes himself out of harm. Yeah, he takes himself out of harm. Right. But, but God meets him there in the desert. And what's interesting, John, is a, a lot of our favorite psalms um, are written by the desert king. They're written by David when he's in the desert fleeing from Saul and he learns that he has to trust God, but that God is going to be with, with him in the midst of that. And a lot of those Psalms in the Bible are Psalms that I go to over and over when I find discouragement. So even God uses that yeah. situation for, for good. So what we really want somebody to walk away with is when you're dealing with an evil person, it's like the proverb says, the prudent sees evil and flees. Mm-hmm. 
Like you take yourself out of harm's way. Absolutely. And I really want our listeners to, to understand that point and to know that, 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 yeah, it's, it's good and right to distance ourselves from evil. And, um, you you have to have boundaries in certain relationships. All right. So let's move into perseverance. So we've talked about ownership, discernment, boundaries. Now quickly, let's go to perseverance. And again, we're not saying you stay in an abusive and toxic relationship. Harmful relationships, toxic relationships, flee. Uh, it is not your responsibility to continue submitting yourself to someone who's harmful. Absolutely. Like that's not even what we're talking about. Right. And when we say toxic, we also don't mean the level of our culture right now. Like she disagreed with me on Instagram. Can you believe <laughs> that? That's toxic. <laughs> No, you can disagree, and that's not toxic. And don't be so easily offended. Yes. Yeah. All right, the point here under perseverance is hang in there in the conflict. Rely on the power of Jesus to do something that might surprise you. I think one of the practical ways to imagine this, hold out the possibility of reconciliation. So somebody, here's an analogy, somebody comes to your door, they have muddy boots, and they say, hey, let me come in and get a cup of coffee. And you say, well, yeah, take your muddy boots off and come on in. Well, if the person doesn't want to take their muddy boots off, uh, you can stand there with the door closed and say, you can't come in. Hmm. But you're not going to lock the door. You're going to say, I'll keep the door open. I'll keep it unlocked. But I'm not going to open it up and let you in. Yeah, it's the Tim Keller. Always be open to to relationship, right? Because we, we know what how big a sinners we are. And if, if Jesus wants a relationship with us, if God wants a relationship with us through Jesus, yeah. if we've been forgiven, think about how much we've been forgiven. Yeah. Then we yeah. need to be forgiving of others. Yes. If they're repentant. Yeah. That's the condition. Yeah. So if that person's willing to take their muddy boots off, yep, door comes wide open. Yeah, come on in. It's a good analogy. But if they're not willing to do that, you can always nurture an attitude of wanting to reconcile. You can work on your part of what contributed maybe to the conflict. If reconciliation happens, uh, and it doesn't always because it takes two people to reconcile, uh, but if it does happen, the relationship won't look the same. It might be better. It might be more limited. Or maybe you don't have much of a relationship going forward. And trust will have to be rebuilt over time. But the main point under perseverance is nurture an attitude of, I would like to reconcile with this person. Yeah. So let's wrap this up. Let's conclude. So it it seems to me, as I'm thinking this through, that conflict we have with others um, often comes from our own issues. I I think we can we can generally say that. So examining our hearts is important, humbling ourselves, owning our own sin. Uh, not assuming the worst about others, being willing to go and have a, a conversation with someone to reconcile. And, and by the way, I, I didn't mention this, but my wife always says, when you when you go to have that conversation, how how you start the conversation is so important. Your tone matters. Do you come in humility or do you come attacking? Um, mm. You know, my guess is, is that if you come in humility, owning your part, seeking to reconcile, it it will go a long way in restoring the relationship. Um, That's the hard heart work that we are in charge of. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and maybe it can't be reconciled, but is that something I want to nurture in my heart? And if it can't be reconciled, am I bitter, angry, vengeful, or am I sad? Yeah, Bono's right. So many relationships get torn apart by just petty things. And if we don't learn how to manage conflict in our life, we're going to miss out on a lot of relationships. God wants to use those relationships in our lives to help us be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And so it's so important to learn how how to have conflict with people. Now, look, you've mentioned Bono twice. And there are two things that I'm thinking about. Number one, it's amazing that they've stayed together as a band (laughs) as long as they have, because most bands (laughs) break apart. Pride, envy, comparison, right? They, and I heard him in an interview with someone, I forget who, he was asked, why is it that you and The Edge are such close friends? And he said, because, and I'm going to have to change my language here a bit, but you'll get it. He says, because the edge is the only person who will look at me and say, dude, you are a screw up and you (laughs) dropped the ball. So we need people like that in our lives to be honest with us. All right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap this episode up. Thanks. Pleasure to be with you, John. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember God is with you in the weeds.